I believe there are two ways to approach our lives. One is looking at it as a series of norms we have to live into and objectives we have to achieve. This view is full of expectations, pressures, bias, and systemic dynamics that continuously need to be overcome. The other is to look at life as a series of choices we make and goals we set for ourselves, a life that is full of agency, growth, and opportunity. Welcome to Live Stoked and Lead Stoked, where we explore both life and work from that latter perspective. I'm your host, Sarah Bettman, coach, consultant, and speaker. More importantly, I'm a fellow traveler on the path towards living my own stoked life, and I'm passionate about helping others do the same. Let's jump into this exploration of life and work and what it means to live and lead stoked. Hi, everyone. Thank you for listening. I'm so excited. We have my dear friend and colleague, Veronique Porter, with us today, or uh, as friends call her, V. She is a friend. She is a colleague. She's a consultant with me and doing amazing work in the world. She is also doing a great session next week on Afrofuturism, which we're going to talk about today. Very excited uh, this timing to have her here. So, V, great to have you. I would love to start with the question I'm starting with everyone, and it just seems to be working because I'm loving the answers. And that is, what does it mean to you to live stoked? And knowing that that's my word for it, what is your word for whatever live stoked is to you? Hi, Sarah. Thank you for having me, first off. And I love that you use the word stoked and and this idea of living stoked. I don't think that I have a word, if you will, for that concept, even though I talk about it a lot and it's something that comes up in my work a lot. But I do think that at the essence of it is this idea of living very grounded and authentic in who we are and being able to show up as that person, regardless of whatever multitudes, regardless of whatever we're facing and all the situations that we're in. So to me, that is the idea of really like maybe living our best lives, right? And in every context, being able to do that and knowing that the V you get right now is the V you're going to get tomorrow and the next day. And regardless of what situation I'm in, being really grounded and authentic in that and showing up that way. I love it. Yes. And and you don't have another word for it? You're, you're a... Um... What it was, or enthusiast about words? How do I say it? I remember when you first introduced <laughs> me to yourself, you had something about words. I mean, language and culture, I, I think it's important for us. Uh, words do mean things. <laughs> so I do think it's important for us to find the right words. But I guess oftentimes those words look different depending on whatever experience or baggage or just the way in which we live our lives, what we're bringing into it. Yeah. Um, and so, like, again, for you, live stoked, like, totally captures it. And I, while I wouldn't necessarily use those words, I understand exactly what that means. Right. But I don't have like one specific word or phrase. And I think most of the time it's because I'm trying to meet people where they are. Right. And so I want that person to come up with whatever it means for them. Yeah. And maybe to a certain extent, I'm still figuring out like how to encapsulate that for myself, like in a word or in a phrase. Yeah. But I do know how it feels. And (laughs) the feeling I think is more important in this case than the word, you know? Well, and that's what I talk about. You know, I I like the word stoked. I mean, I came to it because I use it, you know, whether Mm -hmm. I'm facilitating a team in the South or or on the East Coast, I use stoked. It just is who I am. But I also like what it evokes, meaning, are you happy with your day? Are you stoked about your day? Do you have engaged employees or are they stoked? It evokes something more. So say more about that feeling that that you know what it is. 
Sunset, when you said that, the word joy popped into Mm. my head because I think, you know, we oftentimes will switch up happiness and joy and use them interchangeably. But joy is way more than happiness. Well, happiness can be fleeting, right? Like you can be sad, but still have joy in your heart. And that's definitely some old black folk stuff, right? Having joy in your heart and even feeling weary, but still, you know, knowing that joy. And I think that is a word that kind of helps that like stoked feeling come to life. This joy of just being alive and being you and living your life in such fullness that regardless of what's thrown at you, that joy is undisturbed. So I'll go with that one for now. I'll take it because I think you touched on something else that's really important. Live stoked is not positivity. Yes, Mm. it's about your best life, but sometimes when we choose to live our best life, it's really freaking scary and hard. Choosing Mm -hmm. to end a relationship and a marriage when a lot of other people don't understand why you would leave it because it's perfectly good was mm-hmm. my path towards living stoked, but it was hard. And and even being an entrepreneur, it's a, we both are, and we share stories on this. It's a growth spurt. So mm-hmm. I, I love that idea of that kind of in, I, I got a picture of an ember burning in your heart of just yeah. about your life, regardless of what's going around. And what's important to me about live stoked, at least my version of it is when I'm, tired or exhausted or don't like my situation, like being an entrepreneur and trying to learn how to do marketing or whatever I'm supposed to learn how to do. It's like, you chose this, right? This Mm. is the path you chose and you haven't Mm. learned it. And as my uh, father-in-law says yet, right? But between knowledge that you don't know it, that conscious incompetence to conscious competence really freaking sucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you have to be able to come back to that joy, right? Because yeah, there's going to be challenges. There's going to be discomfort, but what do you have to fall back on is that joy of knowing that you are doing what you need to do in that moment, even if it's hard, even if it's challenging, even if it's unpleasant, that joy, that ember in your heart is so important to come back to and have that. Yeah. And you have a fascinating background that brought you to here. The pieces Mm. that you put together to your joyful, dare I say, life or stoked life. Can you tell us how you came to be here and then also how that is transitioned to the work you're doing right now? Mm. You know, it's funny because that should be an easy question. And as soon as you ask it, I'm like, ah, it's such a... (laughs) And in part because I feel like, you know, this idea of living soaked in joy, it's a practice and I'm very much so still in the practice of it. But where I am right now is, of course, like you said, it's it's a combination of the many lives or the many phases of my life that I've been in. Uh, and so I started off really thinking that I was going to go into <laughs> being a pediatric neurologist in school and then I had college science and that was not a thing. Uh, and so I majored in English lit and American kind of culture, if you will. And that took me to the Peace Corps. That took me into international development. And somehow or another, you know, the pandemic happened and I was, you know, in the transition of looking for jobs in development. And everybody was turned towards their own countries and their own epidemics that were happening. And this pandemic that was affecting us all on a global level. And a shift happened in me. uh, And that's definitely a longer story for another day. But I realized oh, I need to pivot. And so I I literally took a summer. I usually work two or three jobs. And that has been like my thing, two if not three jobs. And for the first time ever in 2021, I took the summer off 
And I'm like, I'm going to figure out what this next step for me, what this looks like. And it really was going to be like a podcast or a blog or something like that. So that can have something for me, even as I charted this career of joy, if you will, centering myself, grounding myself. And the more I looked into that, the more I ended up having a business blossom in my brain, almost kind of crystallize. And I never expected to be an entrepreneur. It was never a dream of mine to run a business. So I was like, I'm sorry, what? (laughs) Is this what this summer is producing? Why? How? And now I can't imagine anything else for me in this moment. And so a lot of the work that I've done unofficially and a lot of the education I've done unofficially, so building on kind of that American studies background that I had in school, but also the work that I was already doing unofficially and not getting paid for and the conversations that I was having and just the way in which I now see the world with a very global but domestic focus on race and gender and the ways in which we talk about them or don't talk about them and how that impacts our relationships. And so, yeah, that was going to be the topic of a blog or a podcast that I came up with more than anything. Now that is the root of my business. How can we learn and unlearn the things that we've been taught or things we've absorbed or been reinforced over time, both taught and absorbed and reinforced over time around race and gender and those intersections? And how can we do that in a way that really deepens the authenticity and connections that we have with each other, embrace difference in a way that we can show up and have intellectual curiosity to those that are different than us? But also that I can show up and my difference not be just tolerated or even in spite of we can get something out of me because of in spite of her race or her gender, but really be incorporated into this. And now I'm working with workplaces and organizations. So how can this be incorporated into the culture that difference is not in spite of or not just tolerated, but this is a part of our work and is a valuable part of our work that makes us more innovative, more productive and generally better. Yeah. And I, I, I think, you know, having seen you go through some of this evolution, actually worked with you, seen you in action, that is your superpower, right? And and we've talked about it sometimes, you know, white leadership teams hi- hire the person that's different and it's a nice show, right? They mm-hmm. talk and it's a nice show mm-hmm. and, and they don't, it don't, almost like it doesn't internalize, it bangs off their head. It was a good experience, yay, thumbs up, five stars, but they didn't actually say, oh, son of a bitch, what does this mean to me? And Mm -hmm. I have seen you in action with with audiences that have showed up to your events and asked just really powerful questions and thought-provoking moments in public spaces where having known some of them personally, I would never have imagined them ask. And it was like, Mm. wow, this is exactly what you said. Your identity, your, your lived story, lived experience isn't the show. The lived story, lived experience is a container that you create around people that is just who you are in your authenticity that creates space for people to explore. And so as- as, I appreciate that. Yeah. And I think that's what part of Live Stoked is, is getting clear about what our superpowers are. You and I have talked Mm. quite a bit about, Mm. you know, this entrepreneurial journey and what we make up what it is versus- I don't want to do it that way. So for me, I keep selling live stoked, lead stoked. People are like, well, you got to choose. I'm like, no, I'm not going to choose. We're individuals Mm -hmm. first who choose to become leaders. And if we don't figure out our individual, we can't lead. Oh, and by the way, we're doing it in the context of an organization that can be in or Mm -hmm. out of integrity. So to Mm -hmm. me, they all go together. So no offense. Sorry, business leaders. I can't focus. I never had. I've never been able to hold one job and do one thing. So, (laughs) you know, just being able to be okay with it. And know that perhaps the feedback won't look the same. And this is part of why I reflect 
this back to you in the sense of the feedback is going to look different, right? The feedback yeah. is in yeah. the questions. Like, oh, son of a bitch, that's a great question someone asked. And I never thought that person was going to ask it. That's the mm-hmm. win, not the five stars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, for me, it's all about impact. And so I really appreciate hearing that feedback from you because at the end of the day, I want to create spaces where people can ask the taboo questions or the questions that, you know, you can't just go into Google search and get the nuance of what is Mm -hmm. actually happening. You need to be in a space where I don't have all the words perfect or I don't know how to articulate this or, you know, there's no other space in which I can ask this question and get a real answer that's going to help me move forward in a different and better way. So hearing that that is happening and, you know, I hear this from participants as well, but that's the goal. Right. And that for me is impact, right? Like I can talk at people all day long, but if they don't have a space in which they can really start to work with and again, unpack some of the stuff that is deep down within us, then you leave and you pat yourself on the back and you're like, that was really interesting. And that's it. And I don't want an interesting session. I want an impactful, deep, disrupting. Yeah. And in a good way, disrupting session. Which unfortunately means the five stars don't work for you because it might be the one star that actually was the disruption and the person who a year later goes, oh, now I get what she was saying, right? But because you planted that seed, they can now see it a year later. Mm -hmm. And so going back to business norms, sometimes we have to look in different spaces for our success. I want to throw a question to you. To be transparent, B and I are facilitating a leadership development program with an organization called the Inclusive Leader. And there was a great question that started off our most recent session. And it really was, you know, this brand decides to change their name because of its hurtful history. This was the mm. participant's question, which I loved. And she said, it make, but the pushback both on you've gone too far, but you haven't gone far enough as mm-hmm. we're in this context of the Inclusive Leader. She was like, it makes me, it makes a lot of us afraid to even engage. Mm. And I would love to share their thoughts because for you, you know, as a black woman, I've seen you with my audience is predominantly white people, right? And engage and enroll them in such a safe space. And I would love to give your perspectives on this tension we have Mm. and, and how do we do this? right? Because you create the space for it to happen. So let's tell our listeners how we do this. Yeah. And I really loved that question. uh, And I love that it was brought up top of session. And I too have been thinking a lot about it, even since the session is out, even since the question is asked, because it's such an important question that I think is at the top of everybody's brains at this moment. Even if you're doing this work, even if you're doing the work, uh, it's at the top of our brains. And A big part of that is that right now, especially given the culture that you're in, the answer that you gave in part was you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. And I completely agree, right? Like regardless of what you do, even if you don't do anything at all, right? You're like, oh, I feel safe enough not making an action. In certain circumstances, that's also going to get you pushback, right? Like you're too safe. You're too close to the norm. You're not trying to adapt and change. We're giving you feedback. You're not taking it in and vice versa. You make a move and it's not enough, or you make a move and it's too much, or you make a move and it's too much for some and not enough for others. And what do we do with that? And at the end of the day, there are two things that we have to do. One is, is we have to come back to that why, the values, the reason why we made the move to begin with. If you're just making moves because somebody told you to, again, that's not living stoked. That's not answering to the joy of your heart and being authentic to yourself. But if you're like, this is something that I felt passionate about. This is something that I knew I needed to do and I needed to act, whether it was imperfect or not, then you have to come back to that why in that center. 
And of course, sometimes we do make moves and our intentions were good, but the impact was not. Then you listen to that feedback and you do better next time, right? Like that's what that feedback is for, is for you to take in what's useful to you, turn it around and then say, okay, cool. Now, next time I got X, Y, Z thing. Yeah. And that's what that feedback is for. But that feedback that it does not serve you, that is not useful to you, especially from people who don't know you, who don't know your story, who don't even know enough about what happened to give feedback, you just got to toss that out. So at the end of the day, with any sort of feedback or criticism, whether it's about social movements or not, you got to be able to know what is useful to you. And, And again, centering yourself, grounding yourself, being authentic with yourself, your why, your values, what worked well for you, what didn't. What feedback is good to take in? What critique is good to take in and positive and useful? And then everything else that doesn't serve you, that falls by the wayside. But the second part is making sure that we're surrounding ourselves by ways so we can figure out what that feedback is good and how it serves us is. And I think that is the most challenging part from people is, do you have the community of folks that can have enough knowledge and or lived experience to give you that real insight on impact versus intentions or ways in which you could improve for next time? Or this was really good, maybe work on this thing that's completely out of that realm. And that I think is the trickiest part for people is how do we surround ourselves by enough difference, enough progress, enough folks who are doing this work as well to make sure that we do have a good sounding board. Uh, and that I think is the trickiest part. And that's the part that we need to work on the most, all of us, to make sure that it's not an echo chamber, <laughs> but it's also not just tearing us down. What's that balance? Yeah. And and you've certainly been that for me in many ways. And I've had you know the gift of people who talk straight, right? I see where you're going there, Sarah, but it's not, it's not going to land where you think it's going to land. So mm-hmm, you might want to mm-hmm. rethink that or yeah. you're missing this perspective. I think in some ways, even generationally, you have mm-hmm. helped me see things, right? I, I'm a Gen X and you're millennial and, and mm-hmm. being able to share different perspectives that, that if I were to back up is more of a generational context versus, mm-hmm. you know, anything else. So I think that what you're saying is really important. And I want to add, because I think it's always Mm -hmm. important, some of the stuff we talk about, if your organization isn't doing this work, it can feel far away and not for you. So, Mm -hmm. you know, a couple Mm -hmm. of things that I think is important is reading about different groups and not just reading because it's voyeuristic and interesting, cool, but pausing and think, okay, if that's true, then what does that mean? What is that experience? What what does that mean for my employees? And again, not to take it and then project it on your community or in your workspace to say, oh, I read this book and so you must be feeling this. Like that's not what we're talking mm-hmm. about. But know that there is a different experience there. And I've really enjoyed, I, so I've started reading more. I love reading. And I make sure every author is different from the author before. And I just Mm. read an incredible book. I'm going to forget the name of it, but we'll put it in the show notes about um, this island in Korea that um, Mm. is a matriarchal society where women are divers. And it goes back through the history of Korea, which I had not known. Mm-hmm. And and so it was really a fascinating story, both historically and at some point I'm reading, and this is kind of, you know, what we do. We read the story and get caught up in the story. I'm like, oh, shit, this is the Korean War. This is the impact of the Korean War on this island and the divide between mm-hmm. North and South Korea, how it impacted them. And it, it like connected the dots of something that was out there and brought it 
closer to me. Again, not that I'm necessarily going to do anything about it, but it gives me more context to think about and actually gave me a path to research, which goes to the second part. You can read, listen, watch movies, different experiences. But really, it's like, okay, that that exploration, what does that mean? What? How does that make me more curious about the experience others are experiencing? Mm. Because when you do that and practice that, then when your friend or colleague says, yeah, you know, something's happening to me, and your instinct is, ah, you're probably overreacting, or it doesn't happen to me, you now know to say, okay, tell me more, like, tell me the mm. context. And you had a great question um, of course, I'm forgetting. Do you remember the question you asked that was after tell me more? How can I help? Was that you? No, I don't think it was me. Well, I just attribute everything brilliant to you. But anyway, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's, you know, that curiosity. Yeah, yeah. And there are two things about what you just said that I love and I want to point out too, is that one thing we're reading is that we feel like we have to read, you know, historical things or like nonfiction things when we're going down this path. And I'm a fiction girly at heart. Like, Again, my major was English lit, right? Like I wasn't reading the history of things. And it's not that I didn't do that too, but I think we feel like we have to do it. And for me, a lot of times nonfiction feels like homework. Yeah. It's another thing that I have to do on top of all the 11 other things that I have done in my day. And we can explore other cultures and other points of view and difference, if you will, through nonfiction as well, right? Through media, through different shows. And it still opens up that curiosity and that space for research. And when you talked about that curiosity, that's another thing that I think people really need to keep in mind because oftentimes we'll do the work of the reading and the research and now we know. Yeah. And so when when somebody comes to us, instead of dismissing it, we're like, oh, I know all about it and I'm going to tell you about it. And it's like, hold on, let this open you up to curiosity, right? Let this add to the knowledge that you have from the books, from the movies, from the shows, the YouTube videos. Let this person's lived experience give you some of that nuance, give you another angle or support some of the stuff you already know. But it's about curiosity, not about like knowing all the things and being able to dot the I's and cross the T's, you know? Yeah, if you're watching the video, I'm smiling and laughing because that was me, right? And part of my journey was I'd read something and now I know, and and I've talked about this on other podcasts, you know, my instinct to connect. A lot of people Mm -hmm. know I'm shy, right? And I'm awkward. I have a podcast, I do public speaking, but, you know, just in small talk, I struggle. So my Mm -hmm. shortcut is, oh, I know. And now we have something to connect on. And I've just diminished and marginalized and I have none of that curiosity. Let me tell you all the things I learned in the book about you. And I laugh because it's just such an easy thing to do, especially if it's something I'm curious and excited about. And and sometimes you could find yourself that you've read experience that someone may not actually know the history of either. And now Mm -hmm. now you're pontificating and tell them about how it is, which actually makes them feel like shit. So Mm -hmm. I'm just laughing because I feel a little bit, I know I'm not called out at all, but uh, that was totally me. And and Frank- No, I've been there too. We all do it. Mm-hmm. Oh gosh, oh, us humans having a lovely, wonderful human experience. Well, I don't want to lose sight of where you have taken your entrepreneurial journey because to me, it's really cool. You have a different perspective on something that most, oh, I got to watch my language, right? A lot of organizations are hell bent <laughs> on doing is celebrating, I'm doing air quotes, diversity month, right? Mm-hmm. And, and the content and the pithy quotes about Dr. Martin Luther King and all this stuff. And you've in some ways said hell no and hell yes to that. And I would love for you mm-hmm. to share 
kind of where you've gone with this body work, because I think it's, it's really interesting, but also I think it's really important to keep organizations for falling in that trap of now I know and check in the mm. box. So could you tell me a little mm-hmm. bit about your philo- the work you do and tell our listeners about the philosophy of it? Because I think the thought process that you went into is really important. And sometimes the nuance of us bringing out our superpowers or living our stoked lives really is in a very subtle thing mm-hmm. versus an overt big thing. Yeah, yeah. So I offer what I call heritage and identity-based observances. And I I did pick that language carefully for a lot of different reasons. And that is, you know, your Black History Month, your Women's History Month, Juneteenth Pride. I offer specific sessions around those topics, but there are a host of others like AANHPI Month or, uh, you know, around October, November when Indigenous Peoples Month comes up. There are all these others that are around as well. And so what I do with organizations is either I come in and do an actual session for one of the ones in which I hold a session for, and or I also do strategy sessions with them around what these look like. Because the biggest issue that I think organizations come across is either they really want to do them, but they don't know how to do them right, or they've done them before and, again, gotten a lot of that negative pushback, or they don't feel like they can do them adequately, so they just don't do them at all, and employees are low-key pissed about it. They don't feel acknowledged. They don't feel seen. They don't feel like they're incorporated into the culture. And again, it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation for organizations. So I try to help organizations figure out what that line is for them. Are you offering stuff internally for your employees? Have you gotten past that? And now you want to offer stuff to your clients or depending on your business model, maybe that's a more effective means. Uh, Which holidays are you celebrating based on the kind of staff that you have and the kind of needs that they're asking for? And then what do those sessions look like? So for me, my sessions have this fine line of, and that's why I call them observances. Because if we call them too celebrate, if we call them celebrations, they're, they're a little too party. They're a little too celebratory. And it loses the meaning of what these, again, observances are, what these sessions are calling for. And it's this fine line of saying, here's the history of it, which is somber and grave. And then sometimes it's full of pain and oppression. But here's also the progress we've made. But outside of just the history itself, what does that have to do with the workplace? Why are we in school again? So these sessions for me have to be fun. They have to be engaging. They're built towards not just adult learners, but adult professionals in the workplace and say, how can we take this history of something and bridge it to the present, what we're dealing with today, what we're seeing in today's society, and more so, how can we connect it to our workplace culture? How can we connect it to our leadership? How can we use this knowledge And again, crack open that curiosity in a way that we can incorporate into our work and use this as a thing to be better. So that's, I mean, in a a nutshell, that's what it comes down to is really making engaging interactive sessions that acknowledge kind of the rough aspects of the observance part of really making sure we give the gravity to what these situations entail and not glaze over it, but also include that joy, include the progress, include the ways in which you know, this is a thing that has positively impacted us. And how can we take that positive impact and amplify it in our world, in our workplace, in our leadership today? Yeah. And I think a couple of things you didn't say, but I know are part of it is you don't choose the things that are in the first paragraph of Wikipedia or, Mm. you know, a lot of the content I've always struggled with is it's like MLK day, let's make it a holiday. No, if you're Mm -hmm. actually honoring Dr. Martin Luther King, he was an activist 
an activist on social justice and rights. So if you're going to have a day off or a day of service, it's not picking up trash in your national park. It's something in service of his mission, right? That's how you make it in integrity or Women's History Month. And, and so you choose things that are, say, below the fold, the things that people haven't necessarily thought of and generic but are meaningful. So that's one thing that I love. And two, I think the other thing is you meet your client where they are, meaning, mm. you know, a lot of times these observances, at least when I was building the DEI program for Constellation Brands, it was a per- way to get those three or four people who come up at the end of the session and say, that was really cool. I want to be a part of that. That becomes the mm. root of your resource groups or your inclusion councils or whatever. And so you have to meet them where they are because if if you go too far ahead and the employees hear it and think, oh, this is where we're going, they get really excited and the the organization isn't ready to meet them, right? Mm. And that it's almost mm-hmm. like it would have been better to do nothing. And what I've appreciated, and that's that nuance, is you take people because of the creativity you use and the thoughtfulness you use to bring forward the recognition. Wait, what's your word for it? Observance. Observances. Yes. Um, <laughs> but in a way that everyone gets, but it's not making a promise to anyone. It's yeah. medium where they are. And and if you need to yeah. get 200 people involved, you'll do that content. But if it's really about, yeah. let's do awareness building, but let's not enroll 15 people and tell people that the company is on this path when they really aren't. Those are things that people don't think about that I think is really, really important. And I love the way you said that. And I appreciate all of your kind words, to be honest. Uh, I I don't want the thank yous to get lost. So thank you very (laughs) much for being sweet and pointing these wonderful things out. It makes me feel all warm and fuzzy. But also, I think some of the stuff that gets lost in what we call DEI work is that we have this perception of what it should look like, right? All of my stuff is in support of what the organization is already doing or where they would like to go. Yeah. Right. And so that meeting them where they are, like maybe you have a full DEI staff and these are activities, these are programming that help you with your strategies, with your initiatives, with where you're trying to get the organization to go. Or maybe you have nothing at all, but you're trying to get started. And this is the thing to say, this is our commitment and this is what we're trying to do. And we're trying to build on this, but it does have to be in line, in step with the organization and in support of where they want to go. And so it, it can't, you know, th- that nuance has to lie in those conversations and planning, but also in the content itself. And that's where the engagement comes from, right? Like when, when people are engaging throughout and not just, oh, at the end or cursory, like, oh, this was really interesting, whatever. It's like, no, I got a question about that. Oh, actually, I feel some type of way about that. You know, I've never seen this before. Where did you get that from? Whatever the question might be, having that engagement throughout really helps folks connect to this moment and be in this moment. And again, how can I use this information to move forward as opposed to what I should be doing or how I should be moving forward or where I should be? I want them to be on an individual journey, but also in some ways a collective journey in this hour long session where we're doing this together, but you can, you know, really dive a little deeper. How does this look like? in my organization? How does this look like for my leadership? How does this look like for me? And maybe that extends to parenting. Maybe that extends to where you are in your community. Maybe that extends to something else. But again, how can you use this info as opposed to just it being poured upon you? And I think that's where you and I align in our work. It's not about the info. Mm-hmm. It's about the process of taking in the information, considering it, and perhaps changing behavior as a result of it. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so any 
whether it's a reading a book or listening to a podcast or seeing a session in your community. I mean, we've talked a lot of corporate because that's where you and I play quite a bit, but it could be something mm-hmm. in your local church or a community center that's a discussion group on on topics related to this. In the work, the experience is more important than necessarily the content and navigating mm-hmm. through the internalizing. And, and I always like to say, if someone leaves my session gone, huh, I haven't actually thought about that. I'm winning because if they're thinking about it, that's the beginning of, of behavior change. And just for our Absolutely. listener, I'm getting snaps from um, V on that one. So I'm a snapper. I snap. Yeah, it didn't, it didn't come across on speaker. So I had to tell him that, you know, as I'm looking around video, I'm getting snaps for that. But, you know, it, it really boils down to what we're talking about here is not complicated. Now, I'm going to ask mm-hmm. you a question that we haven't talked about. So, so we've talked about you and living your stoked life, right? Your expression Mm -hmm. of this, your taking your experiences to do this work and doing it in a way that really is meaningful and resonates for you. And some, in some ways solves a problem that we've seen in organization that rushed to activities, but also does that with integrity that, that allows the participant to be whole, curious and grow whatever it is for them. Right. And then we've talked about Mm -hmm. corporations and how to take your work into corporations But where does this play for those of our listeners who aren't maybe in a corporation, maybe on their own journey, maybe don't even have proximity to a difference in the way that we're describing? How does it help them live their most stoked life to consider all this that we've been talking about? To me, that part is easier Mm. Uh, because when we have to connect it to orgs, then we also have to connect it to organizational culture. And some of that is out of our control. Right. Maybe you're an employee who's not a manager, who's not a leader or doesn't feel like you have space to play in that way. Or maybe that's just not your interest at work. Maybe you want to go into work, get your paycheck and go home. But when we talk about these things on a personal level, our personal lives, that's much easier. You got full control over that. You get to acknowledge the ways in which here are my strengths. Here are my weaknesses. Here's how I work on the weaknesses. Here's how I put the strengths on display. And a big part of that when I'm talking to individuals is us recognizing, I say us on purpose, us recognizing that we all have power, privilege, and influence, regardless of how oppressed we are, regardless of how oppressed identities come together, we all have those spaces of power, privilege, and influence. How do we use them? Mm -hmm. And that is really connecting the values that we have and how we want that to play out in our lives and then recognizing the power, privilege, and influence and having those come together. And so if, let's say you had a Live Stoke session in which you come in and do Afrofuturism, and you're like, hey, what does this look like for me in my life? That's so much easier yeah. because you get to decide how you take this information and put it into your life and how you utilize that in line with your values and your power and your privilege and influence. So that's much easier. Well, I love that you say it's much easier, but in the receiving end, it's uh, much harder. And I'll, I'll share a little bit here. But thank you for the plug for what we're going to get into, which is your Afrofuturism session that we have coming up. But, you know, as a white woman that's been on this journey and exploration, the Livestoke part of me, and I talk about the shame curve and and this idea that, you know, when you learn about some of this, it's like, oh, I call it the son of a bitch moment, like, oh, son of a bitch, really? And then you just see all the Mm. slides, how you said that stupid thing, done that stupid thing. But then there's this feeling of now I know. And when I navigate spaces, and this is not, you know, I'm not proud of this, but when I started learning about difference and that I should know about difference, it was that connecting that we talked about earlier. Oh, I read a book on your topic. I know about black hair. I know about this. I happen to have a rich, wonderful story about black hair and my best friend in elementary school that I just cannot tell. 
because as a white woman mm. telling the story, I mean, you've heard it be because we're friends and we've created a trusting space where you know where I'm coming from. It's rich and wonderful telling that story to people who don't know me and I haven't earned the relationship. It's going to land totally different. And and that's hard yeah. and that's scary. And it was sad at first because it's it's a sweet growing up moment about two friends playing with their hair. But mm. understanding the lens that I'm one of many voices that want to touch hair and tell their stories about black hair or question black hair or even manage black hair, mm. that in that context, my story isn't a cute story of two friends in elementary school. It's something else entirely. And yeah. so the the work, though, and the Livestoke for me is I've worked through that and I don't have to connect by saying I see you overtly. I connect now much more quietly and being able to, when something shared, self-manage myself and say, tell me more. Got it. Love it. Great. Yeah. I got you. And and we do this in long-term relationships. We have to do this with kids. As many of our listeners know, mm. I forgot to have them, but I've seen them. And you know this idea, <laughs> yeah. And it's like these things that we think we're doing on behalf of a relationship. We actually haven't earned the right either to do it. Not even the right. That's not mm. the right word, but we haven't built the relationship enough or it just hits mm -hmm. differently. And, mm -hmm. and so we need to pause and stay present instead of in our head trying to do something artificial. So, you know, what you're describing is beautiful, but as a, or, and as a white woman, for me, it's relief. It's relief to be in diverse spaces and kind of know where I stand in the awkwardness of it yeah. and to be in relationship with people who are different that I don't know um, well, mm -hmm. or, and feel more confident with the questions I can ask. And I think yeah. part of living stoked is being in good relationship with people, even with people that yeah. have different beliefs and different ideas, because, you know, there are people I love that have very different beliefs. And when I get in my head, sure, I want to say, say the things, right. But the bottom line is they're important to me. I'm not, I'm not going to act on them, right. It's a d internal emotional intelligence dialogue for lack of a better description. So I just want to make sure listeners hear that in that this is fundamental, this conversation. It's not corporate woke BS. Mm. It's about being relationship and community. Mine happens to be full of difference and diversity in the San Francisco Bay Area and how I can be and engage in it in a way that doesn't drain my tank or make me scared or shy or whatever. Do you have any final thoughts on that one? Yeah, because I think what the difference from what you said and what I said is that I'm talking about saying it and you're talking about doing it. Yeah. And as a practitioner, it is hella easy for me to say, these are the things, yeah. go forth. But the doing them, that's where the discomfort comes in. That's where navigating the nuance and intention versus impact comes in. And that is something we all, like myself included as a person, we're all navigating that. We all have you know blind spots and ways in which we haven't fully developed. And that growth, any sort of growth always comes with that hinge of discomfort, period. So yeah, there's a difference between like saying, this is how you do the work, the work. But then when you do quote unquote, the work, that's a whole different ballpark. And it's a practice. It's never one of those things that's where I do it once and now I've mastered it, or I've done it a couple of times and I've gotten really good at it. So now I've mastered it. It's a practice. And it's going to look different in different situations at different ages when you're tired versus when you're on. It's just going to look different. But that doing part that you're talking about, that is the work. And that part is not easy or comfortable or pleasant a lot of the times. 
And when you figure out how to navigate it, then that's living your most stoked life because now you know how to be in good relationship with a lot of people, even when it's messy, long-term relationships, family relationships, the messiness actually is something you start to appreciate and it's part of what actually makes it stronger. And uh, so, so you trust the process, right? Dating is awkward, you know, and, and for all of us who have dated, we know that, right? Or learning a new skill is awkward. Doing a new athletic feat is awkward. And I think as humans, we we try to connect and thinking we can fast track the easy, but no, the, the best relationships I've had, you and me included, we've had to go back and forth and try to decide mm-hmm. how do we do this and, and how do we support each other and, and misstep along the way, but with enough grace yeah. to be able to say, and you're important to me, so I, I'm going to figure out, I'm going to hear what you have to say. Absolutely. And with that comes, living stoked is never easy. That's, I don't want to imply that. It's awesome, but it's not always yes. easy. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah. and I mean, that's the meat of life, right? It's not the, all the joy parts, all the happy parts, all the great memories. It's all that other stuff. And collectively, like you can't appreciate the highs if you don't know what low means, right? And vice versa. You can't appreciate, okay, this is a low moment, but I know that a good time is going to come unless you experience that. So you need the journey in order to really have that fullness and that joy that lives stoked in your heart. Fantastic. So as we're closing out here, I want to ask you a couple of questions. And the first question I want to ask is, what are you reading these days, listening to, watching that it just filling your tank and you love so much? Mm, so I'm in between books at the moment. There are a couple of titles that I'm trying to get my hands on on Libby, but in between. But a podcast that I always fall back on, it's mad long and very not along with general like quick podcast sort of things is The Read with Kid Fury and Crystal. Um, it's billed as like a comedy sort of podcast, but they give fresh takes on pop culture through a, what they say is a queer lens. And so they're both in the LGBTQ plus community and they're talking about all things happening, pop culture, whether it's politics, whether it's music, whether it's you know, music, movies, all that. Uh, And they give you this kind of fresh take about how they're living life and how they are seeing others live life. So The Read has always been consistently uh, a podcast that I love and appreciate. Uh, And it's not necessarily for everyone, but it is fun, good stuff if you can really connect to it and understand the kind of things that they're consuming. Fantastic. And then where do people find you? And we'll put all this in the show notes Uh, If they want to reach out, ask you a question, hire you, whatever, where can they find you? Yeah. So my website, ampersand hyphen workspace. So A-M-P-E-R-S-A-N-D hyphen workspace.com is my website. And honestly, that's a good place to start as far as how I approach this sort of work, what kind of offers I have. If you wanted to ask a random question, if you wanted to hire me for something, whatever, there's my Calendarly link there. And it's never a charge for you to sit and talk to me. And as you can see, I love to talk. So uh, that is always the quickest and easiest way to understand what I'm about and to get a hold of me. But I'm also on LinkedIn with Veronique L. Porter, as well as on Instagram at ampersand workspace. Yeah, you can see stories and different things that I post around, again, how I approach things, how I'm thinking about things, and various things that are coming up in the Ampersand Workspace world. Awesome. And we'll put all those things and links in the show notes if people want to find you. I can't thank you enough for being here. So excited that you're here. Uh, And love this conversation. I mean, you just sat in on how we do business. We get no work done because we start jawing about life and work and stuff. and, And you all just sat in a conversation 
with us and it was fantastic. So thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you so much. Thank you. I appreciate it. I can't it. wait till we do this a- another time. Yeah. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Uh, and I definitely support this whole Lift Stoked, Lead Stoked movement. Big fan. So thank you so much for having me here. You're welcome. Thanks so much for joining us for Live Stoked, Lead Stoked. We know you're busy, so it means the world to me that you'd spend this time with us. If you're interested in digging deeper on the topics discussed today, be sure to check out the show notes for resources and links related to this episode. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button if you found this to be time well spent. Your support helps us immensely. Plus, consider leaving a review. They're like virtual high fives, and I appreciate every one of them. Finally, stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Feel free to shoot us a message or a question. Your stories and experiences enrich the community we're building here, and you never know, your question may end up on a monthly Ask Me Anything. So until next time, keep subscribing, keep reviewing, and keep living your most stoked life. We'll be back with more inspiration stories and insights. See you then.